0: What's up team? Welcome to the second episode of the Better with Brock podcast. And today I have my first person on the podcast and Julie Mack. What's up?
1: I feel so honored to be on the podcast. First ever interview. Here we go.
0: Well, I think you are actually probably one of the first people that I actually met in the fitness industry. Because I first started personal training when I was in Auckland. So I think we're going back to 2015.
1: Yeah, definitely. It would be about, yeah, 2000. I was actually thinking about that today. I think we met, yeah, about five or six years ago. And you messaged me. I remember the first thing you said was about a supplement company or something. We just started talking about sponsorships. And then as soon as we started speaking about fitness and business type stuff, Gary V came into the conversation. And I knew at that point, we were going to be friends
0: yeah I was like new to the industry so, so this was post me having like a I call it a midlife crisis so I was 20 and I was pursuing music as you know and I know that you have some musical talent as well piano and violin um, mm-hmm. so this was on the back of me trying to pursue singing and then feeling like an absolute failure so I was like so I have this memory where I was like I was flatting in Auckland living with five strangers that I didn't really know and uh we broke up their boy band so Morehouse X Factor New Zealand that type of stuff and we and we kind of stopped the band and I and, and I remember I was just so lost I was like what should I do so long story short I got qualified PT and then I was like Checking out, like I I really don't know how I found your account. I must have searched like hashtag fitness New Zealand or like because hashtags were a big thing. So I was like, okay, hashtag fitness. Let's, let's I think you're
1: searching, you must have been searching like Auckland, New Zealand uh fitness posts. Right. And I had just moved to Auckland too. And so you must have just stumbled across it. Like New Zealand's so small. Uh so I feel like it's very easy to connect with one another, and especially in like the fitness community is so small. So it's really easy to connect with others through things like Instagram. So I'm so glad that we did connect because now we've changed like paths so much since then. It's
0: it's crazy. Like at that time, yeah, me reaching out, talking about sponsorships and stuff. That was like the cool thing to do in the, in the day, like get sponsored by one of the big brands, you know, and be like, yeah, I get to hold a supplement tub and put my name on the post. And I was like, that was like, it's so funny how like now we look back at it. That's like, little bit cringe you know we're kind of like oh we don't do that or maybe we will but you know when like that's not the the peak of what we're trying to achieve but back then it was like that's what people did they got shredded they like got sponsored they took like shirtless photos or you know like maybe not for chicks like bikini (laughs) photos um and 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 that was it like you've made it
1: yeah i do feel like social media has changed a lot when we started out, I mean, the thing was, you know, if you want to grow online, it is, it's bikini photos. It's going to the gym and looking good. The guys are looking pumped up. Your goal is to get a sponsorship. And maybe if you get that sponsorship, maybe that brand's then going to share you. You're going to grow more. You're going to get this crazy amount of followers online. And I think back then it honestly was all about followers. People cared about numbers. They wanted sponsorships. They wanted, they didn't even necessarily want money from social media. They just wanted some kind of, I guess, inspiration. Instagram fame for being partnered with certain brands in the industry uh, whether it's clothing or supplements so back then I mean that was the epitome of it but since then I'm so glad it's changed its course and I think you and I do a really good job of using social media now to like educate and inspire others to live a healthier lifestyle as opposed to just posting photos of how we look, hoping that people then buy the products that we're selling, which we're not about. Like, I'm all for using supplements. Um, and I, you know, I do love sooner supplements, but I'm not relying on that to make my living.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it, it's definitely changed because it was like, like we would follow these big accounts. We would see they're sponsored by, you know, like, for example, I used to look up to Steve Cook. you know like mr optimum nutrition so like just because of him i bought the tub and i was like yeah 100 percent gold way you know i'm gonna get shredded like (laughs) like steve cook and then i started buying their protein bars and then i started buying like fat burners and all this kind of stuff and yeah like you're saying it's good that we've kind of changed trajectory because we like and this is not a dig at steve cook or anything but like these guys that were doing it would like just you know like that's how they were getting paid or you know, that's how they were making a living. They were doing YouTube and all that kind of stuff. But like, we'd look at it and go, oh, cause they're taking that. They have that physique, therefore I need that. But now we're more so like posting like, okay, you can have that, but it's not going to be the magical secret or, you know, it's not going to be how you get that dream physique that you want or how you get stronger. Um, And I definitely think the conversations around goal setting is changing. Like, it's not just about getting that, shredded beach physique even though that's a great goal for some people it's more so about how you use your body how you're feeling mentally you know do you really need a six-pack do you not um you know do you need it all year round do you not
1: i definitely i think that's really important when you say like how you feel mentally and physically like the whole idea of my social media handles is fit for life and i said this like years ago when I very first started going to the gym I called my Instagram page fit for life and that was because I wanted to be literally fit for life not for summer not for a certain event or anything like that it was about being mentally and physically like wow and so what that means is like you could be absolutely shredded I could be a very lean dieting for months to get on stage but if you're not mentally healthy then that doesn't mean anything just like someone else could you know lose a lot of weight but if they're not taking care of their mental health as well it's just not Is not the optimal, I guess, position you want to be in. So I'm all for bettering myself on a mental and a physical side of things, which means reading, listening to good podcasts, uh, watching motivational YouTube videos, business videos online, um, working out as well as, you know, going for walks outside in the fresh air and getting some sun because I enjoy that and it's mindful time for me, not because I see it as like cardio and making sure that I'm, you know, drinking enough water and actually sleeping seven to nine hours. Like I'm really big on overall well-being and that's something that I've like focused on most of the time but of course we always get sidetracked with different things that happen in life. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what's changing like like if we go back to what I was talking about before like Steve Cook and like supplements or just you know any fitness models like they weren't talking about that stuff they weren't talking about sleep they wouldn't share if you know how much water they drank or how important it is or um you know their rest days like it was always it was kind of like take supplements work hard don't sleep hustle 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 and now it's more of a open conversation of like okay how's other areas in your life because i was a byproduct of that on the bad side and maybe you were too we can talk about that but like i was like okay like these guys are just hardcore so like we don't sleep like we 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 don't eat like <laughs> like you know like we have these um, like we just have protein shakes and boiled eggs like I was like doing stuff like crazy stuff I would go on to um, and I touched about this on the first episode I would go on to websites and <laughs> search up like um, I remember simply shredder.com I'd search them up and <laughs> read their interviews and they'll be like I have like six ounces of chicken breast and like One cup of brown rice and a cup of broccoli, and you know? so I was doing this stuff super restrictive No idea what a calorie deficit was no idea what progressive overload was no idea if these supplements worked, but I was, you know, the little money I had at this time, I was definitely pushing it towards supplements and and, and all that kind of stuff because I thought all this stuff mattered, like really majoring in the minors. But the conversation is like different now.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I smile so much at everything you said because I remember <laughs> simplyshred.com. I remember bodybuilding.com yes. when it was free. You could jump online, you could read up what all the top fit- fitness models in the USA were eating, which was usually like white fish
0: tilapia
1: yeah tilapia egg whites you know and i feel like a lot of people now because of the way social media has changed they don't know what it was like 10 years ago when we were out looking on uh online this like googling what does so and so eat and it was all the same it was always the white fish the broccoli the brown rice and everyone would have this template diet that you would then try and copy and it was super restrictive no one educated like no one even really knew what a calorie deficit was back then I didn't even think they knew they just thought okay I'm just going to eat these boring foods and I'm going to get results and so everyone around the world's like oh well they look like that I'm going to do that too and I'll even buy the exact protein they buy.
0: Exactly. Like I remember googling can you get tilapia in New Zealand because <laughs> it's because I like like I I I couldn't find it. I think it was like an an, an American fish, fish. American I, I'm not fish, sure. I think. Yeah, but I was like, you know, can I get this and I, yeah, it was always eight meals a day and then it was like training 7 days a week so I was like overworking under eating and 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 all this type of stuff but on this topic what do you think are the biggest things that you fell for that you look back and go man that was crazy
1: oh definitely detox teas it's i'm so embarrassed by the old video footage they had when i was in university so like 10 Years ago, almost now, and I was at university, and I fell for detox tea because I thought it would help make me, quote, mark skinny, which is what you know at the start people wanted. They wanted to be skinny. I was a university student. I wanted to be that, so I thought, okay, I'll get this detox tea. And I remember making this video about how I thought this detox tea would kickstart my metabolism in the morning. And the marketing worked on me, and that's why, like, I'm not afraid to admit that I fell for it because I'm sure many other people will. And I hope that someone listens to this and they're like, oh oh, I saw an advert for a tea. I better not buy that because it doesn't work. And I have to say, like you said, there's no magical quick fixes. Um, I definitely fell for the detox teas. I also fell for the low carb situation. Like I tried to eat so boring throughout the week and then i go crazy in the weekend. So I tried to do like some form of keto diet, but it would just pretty much be like spinach, chicken, egg whites even. I don't even know if I would eat the egg yolks. Uh, broccoli and like I do that Monday to Friday if I could even get to the Friday sticking to that and then come the weekend I was a uni student so I would go out partying I would just go complete opposite directions and every single Monday was the same like okay diet start (laughs) Monday okay weekend cheat meal and I had such a bad relationship with food and I just think that the internet and the misinformation out there when I started set me up for that because how else was I meant to know what I should be doing? But now that's why I'm so pro promoting flexible dieting. Like if you saw my Instagram story this week, I've had sushi five days in a row for lunch and I love it. Like give me the carbs.
0: It's such a, yeah, it's such a funny thing because I fell for, I didn't fall for the detox teas thing. I think that was more targeted towards females. You know, like guys and tea didn't really, you know, that's not really like, well, now it's definitely more of a thing. And, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, real men don't drink tea, but like, like it was, it was definitely pushed more towards the female market. Like, you know,
1: bikini bikini models, you know?
0: Yeah. So I didn't fall for that. Really. I wasn't really, even though, even though I did think green tea sped up your metabolism. So (laughs) I remember having like five green teas a day going to the bathroom like every 30 minutes and, <laughs> and to supercharge my fat loss, what I would do is put in two tea bags.
1: So, <laughs> oh my, the secret to getting gross. Oh, body oh. guys, it's out there. It's two, two tea bags of green tea.
0: I was like, I could speed it up double as fast if I put two in. <laughs> and then I would, yeah, I was doing crazy things. I remember probably, the, this is probably the most crazy thing that I did and it used to really piss people off. Um, especially in Auckland, after I met you, uh, I, I remember seeing that if, you, um, if you're colder, your metabolism's faster because your body's working harder to heat you up. So I used, <laughs> to, I used to eat ice. So I used to get... it's <laughs> so embarrassing. I used to get a glass of ice and just sit down and just chew it. Oh, and, and if you've heard people chew ice, it's the loudest thing ever. It's so annoying. And, and, and I remember... Uh, Nikki, who I was living with at the time, she used to be like, "Brock, are you chewing ice? I can hear you upstairs." <laughs> I oh was like, God. "Yes, I'm getting shredded. I'm doing this for my body." And yeah, that was such a low point. We would we
1: would not be friends if we sat in a room and you sat there eating ice one I can't stand loud chewing noises but two I would think it was so ridiculous but it just goes to show the growth you know like everyone starts somewhere and we've definitely made these mishaps and people can mm. learn that you don't need to be chewing on ice to speed up your metabolism mm. uh, or trying detox teas or double tea bag and green tea <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. I tried everything, cayenne pepper, even though I hate spicy food, I was trying to eat spicy foods because that made you shredded. Um, man, there was like heaps of things, but on the thing that, you know, like detox teas, I guess, you know, like targeting towards the female market, you've actually focused your energy in coaching women. Right. So what made you do that? Like, why did you just go, okay, I really want to help women get in the best shape of their life or transform their body.
1: Yeah. I think that's, a really good question because of course, you know, I could help men and women. And some women do ask me for their husbands or boyfriends and things like that. And of course I send them your way. But in terms of coaching women, for me personally, when I started my fitness journey, I never started it to change how I looked. I started going to the gym as stress relief. So like you said, I had a music background. I played violin and piano. I was doing violin performance at university alongside accounting which you can imagine is like super stressful so I started going to the gym as a way just to like give me a break but me being me anything I do I really want to do well so I ended up like really getting into the gym I started getting really strong I started training with a lot of the guys there because there were no women in the gym at that point in time Mm. Uh, they were all in the typical cardio place in which the gym was back then and so yeah I started training with the guys I got really strong And then I remember the thing that kind of set me on my fitness journey and that put me down the path of trying detox teas and fad diets was I had heard some girls at uni speaking about me and the things that they were saying, you know, it just goes to show that what people say about you can really stick with you. Some girls had said something along the lines of, oh, you know, why does she go to the gym all the time, but she doesn't have abs. And I never went to the gym to have abs. Like, I mean, I didn't even know that was a thing. I wasn't really like super interested in that at the start, but that obviously got into my head and I started thinking like, oh, that's a good point. Like, why do I go to the gym and I don't have abs? And that set me off on trying detox teas and fad diets and looking on bodybuilding.com to uh, find out what everyone else was eating. But because of that moment, I think that really, I guess, set me up to go on to wanting to help other people understand how to achieve their goals without you know trying all the fad diets that i tried so that was the first thing and that's why i started sharing my journey on instagram i wanted to take some progress photos i wanted to share what i was doing and then as i got into competing in 2017 after i started posting my transformation photos that's when i realized how many women needed help i was getting messages all the time asking what I did, how do I lose stomach fat, how do I build leg muscle? Um, how do you you know, tighten up your waist? Every kind of question you can imagine I had it. And so I realized that obviously I needed to learn very quickly like how to help all these women. So that's when I started ISSA. I'm doing some NASM work now as well, just trying to educate myself as best as I could so that I could help them. And then I decided to specialize in women because I wanted to help more women feel good in their own skin like I knew what it felt like especially after my first competition to go from achieving my goals to then going the complete polar opposite because after my first competition I actually blew out completely I went binge eating for months I gained the weight back and more and just going through that experience really showed me how I guess my relationship with myself Um, my confidence and everyone else is so impacted by how I feel my body and how I train. And so I wanted to make sure that women wouldn't go through all the same things I did, like the binge eating, the um, low self-confidence, the fad diets and detoxes Mm. and things like that. I just wanted to help educate people that you can actually get results and feel really good without having to do all of that stuff. So yeah, that's why I stuck with women. I mean, I could coach men, but I just feel like I have more of a passion for helping women feel good in their own mm. skin. And that's also why I don't do cold prep type stuff. I feel like my passion is in helping people build really healthy, sustainable, long-term lifestyles that they can you know lose the weight or build muscle and keep that for their life as opposed to just losing weight for a competition and then going the other way after so yeah
0: yeah well i guess you've been in the in the driver's seat of that and felt what it's like to you know maybe potentially over restrict and not have the tools to deal with what happens when you get to that lean body fat percentage and have those levels of hunger so so what led you to competing like you've you know, you've kind of just said, you know, you've competed and I know you've competed a number of times, but what made you want to do that? Like, I know that it can be a natural progression, you know, you kind of like, okay, like, and, and as we kind of talked about before, like previously that was, you know, one of the epitomes or sorry, pinnacles of, of fitness. It was like sponsorships competing, use the competing photos, get more sponsorships (laughs) and like make fitness a living. So what made you compete?
1: Totally. I think they go hand in hand. Like, you know, at the start, it would be, oh, you compete and you get those sponsorship. But for me personally, I already had the sponsorship with a supplement company. I met someone else that was competing. We became friends and I saw how she looked. And I pretty much came down to a point of like, oh, you know, I've been trained for a few years. I feel like I look quite good, but I'd love to see where I could be if I was to, you know, do some kind of a competition prep. So I remember flying home from Australia from a fitness expo and reaching out out to a coach and just saying like hey the friend they met I said to her I was like oh you know hey I really want to do uh this competition it's in a hundred days do you think I can do it and yeah the rest was history from that I just thought okay I'm going to do it and my only goal for competing was to step on that stage to see if I could do it I Mm. didn't set out to get first I didn't set out for any placings all I wanted to do is just see if I liked it and I went through this prep it was 16 weeks of clean eating and i say like clean clean like if it fits your macros wasn't a thing the last four weeks i think was a classic white fish broccoli sweet potato oats rice cakes it was a bodybuilders type diet Mm. and i just didn't know how to handle the post-competition phase. And I left my coach, which was my mistake. I should have stayed with the coach to get me through that, But lesson learned. So yeah, when it comes to competing, it was literally just a case of I saw someone else that looked amazing and I wanted to look like that. And so I thought, you know, I'll try it. But once I stepped on the stage, I guess it comes from a musical background. Like I was used to performing. I love violin, I love piano, I love being like performing in front of people. And so mm. for me stepping on stage, It was just like the lights were on. And yeah, I was nervous at the time because it was my first time wearing like, you know, six inch heels on a stage in front of people in a tiny bikini. But something in me just clicked and I loved it. I loved the audience. I loved the hair, the makeup, the pretty bikinis. And I was hooked from that moment. And it wasn't even about getting placings. It was just about, you know, setting a goal and then working really hard to achieve it. And I didn't place in that competition. There were 60 girls on stage. It was absolutely, it was crazy. We were up there for I think like 40 minutes standing on stage under the hot lights and I just I don't know I love every bit about it so I then went on to compete um a few more times and in my second show I play second in a massive lineup as well so it really just goes to show I guess like if you put your mind on something you can go out and achieve it, and that's what I love about it but I think competing isn't for everyone and i'm really big on that i think women are starting to compete so young these days like my first competition i would have been 21 i think and
0: which is still young
1: yeah which is still young Um, but now I'm seeing girls like competing at 18 to 20 years old and I mean if you don't have a good coach to set you up for success in terms of your relationship with food it can really really mess you up and people can come out of it with like I guess post-competing eating disorders because it sets you it can set you up for a really bad relationship with food but I've just spent years working on myself and I can safely say that now I have the best relationship with myself and food that i've had um, in the whole journey which is awesome but yeah i definitely think that competing is something that people need to really think about what their why is i know you know when we talk about fitness journeys, we talk about your why and if your why for competing was to impress a certain guy or a girl or if it's to um, get that instagram profile photo or like you said you know get some kind of a sponsorship not a good enough reason and if you're thinking that stepping on stage is going to improve your self-worth or give you some kind of external validation it's like thinking that if you get a 100,000 followers on Instagram you're gonna suddenly be a better person you really aren't just because you shred down or you step on stage and look really good for a day doesn't really improve your self-worth I think what improves your confidence in your self-worth is setting a goal and then achieving it so for me it might be stepping on stage for someone else it might be to lose 50 pounds so they can run around with their kids for someone else it might be to lose a bit of weight to fit their wedding dress so they feel really good in it i think competing is definitely something that can be amazing for someone that's doing it for the right reasons and at the end of the day only one person can get that first place trophy so if that's your mm. only reason for doing it like save yourself the hunger and the effort and just like i do know go do something else
0: <laughs> yeah I, I i think that's one thing that people don't understand about competing like how challenging it really is like i've never competed um, but i feel like as i was going through those younger stages of my life watching the um sorry reading the articles and all that kind of, i was kind of living like a competitive <laughs> pro bodybuilder because that's what i was reading so i i almost felt like i competed um even though i would never have placed because i was doing everything wrong but but like the amount of dedication it takes like the diet the training like the extreme feelings of fatigue like i've had a a really really close mate compete and he he won but man he was like feeling like he was taking days off work he was like not showing up to uni classes to sleep he was like cooking uh baking chicken breast around the clock and like sweet potato all that kind of crazy stuff but also didn't have this concept of calories calorie deficit the percentage he was on and all that kind of stuff can you give us an insight of what the training's like, what the diet's like, what the lifestyle's like, because I think it'd be great to give people like a really honest perspective because you're extremely down to earth and transparent about it because there's a lot of people that kind of glorify competing, which is great because it is a great goal for a goal-driven person. It can be, you know, a great goal for a person to kind of tick it off. And if they have the right mindset, like you said, around nutrition and training and this kind of sustainable approach in the back of their mind, they can come out the other end and just be like, okay, I got really lean. Now it's time to do a different phase of dieting. But there are people that kind of, you know, get chewed up and spit out with a eating disorder or with, you know, body dysmorphia and they never feel satisfied anymore. So what is that whole process like getting that lean?
1: Yeah, awesome question. So I think the key thing in there you said is they can come out of it the other side better off, and that's a big can. Like not everyone does, and I don't say it to scare people from competing because I absolutely love competing, but it honestly isn't for everyone. Every prep is going to be different. So I've had I've done four competitions and I've had four different comp coaches. I had a fifth one last year and it was cancelled six weeks out for the um, show due to everything happening in the world. But mm. each prep with each coach has been different for me. So I went from the clean eating kind of bodybuilders coach in my first year to the second one was pretty much clean eating type vibes as well. A little bit more flexibility, but still, you know, leading up to the show, the fish thing every day. Um, And then the other two coaches were both very different as well. So every prep is going to be different in each coach. Uh, we'll take it a different route but in general depending on your starting point and things like that say someone has um, let's just say I would personally prep for 16 to 20 weeks usually so for say four to five months you might spend if you have less fat to lose you might spend about say 16 weeks dieting and when I say dieting down we are not just talking about oh you know i'll track monday to friday and come the weekend i'm just gonna go out with the girls it is everything tracked it's not a chai latte out um for your <laughs> sunday brunch it's like if i go out for brunch it's eggs on toast butter on the side and i don't use the butter and it's um you know poached eggs not fried eggs it's everything is so calculated for a comp prep if you want to do well and if you want to look your absolute best. And I honestly don't think you should be doing a comp prep if you're not willing to give it your absolute hundred percent because it's not worth it. Like my idea of competing is to every single time look better. And the only way to look better is to give it that bit more uh, in terms of work effort that Mm. you can each time. And so that means tracking everything to the T I don't have one lick of the peanut butter spoon when I'm in my last two preps. Of course, my first two were a little bit more flexible, especially my first little few extra teaspoons peanut butter (laughs) here and there. But in my last two preps, you know, the last prep I did, I was in the best shape of my life. I was the most shredded I'd ever been. I was two kilos less than I would usually be on stage. I actually came in way too lean But like you said, it is so hard leading up to that show. I don't even like a grimace just thinking about how hard it was mentally. I was tired. I was snappy for two months leading up to it. I feel so sorry for my fiance Ross, who had to deal with me Um, through that time. I was just not myself. I really just was unhappy. I was hungry all the time i remember he was going out somewhere with family and i just couldn't go out on the afternoon i fell asleep on the couch on a saturday afternoon and that to me just isn't i mean it's just not really life like i don't think life is made to be lived hungry like unnecessarily hungry all the time to get to a low body fat percentage i also lost my cycle during that time um, and Mm. it took me I think 12 months after that to get my cycle back or so. And now I've had it consistently for like months, like, like, almost two years or so so I've been really good since then but I just think people need to realize like it's not just the training if you want to do a competition, I'm going to speak mainly for girls because obviously I know what it's like to prep for a bikini show it's not just the training it's not just the weighing your food and meal prepping everything and having to you know skip out eating when you go out with friends or whatever it's the sleep making sure you're getting seven to nine hours it's being able to handle your workload especially if you have a full-time job like I have some nurses and things um and still being able to function mentally to perform your job at an adequate level um without snapping at your co-workers or your clients i know leading up to a show i can be very blunt in my messages when i'm replying to people and no one likes no. that it's not, not my finest moments and my dms um, But yeah, it's so much more than just that. It's also the hours of posing practice. It's the making sure that you're taking care of your skin, your hair, your nails. Because the federation that I compete in, WBFF, is pretty much a beauty A beauty pageant it's not just about how you look physically in terms of muscle tone it's your hair your makeup your nails your skin and overall presentation like they want to put you on a magazine cover type look Um, and I absolutely love that but it's not for everyone so yeah in terms of the training I would do um, four to six days a week in the starting phases depending on my training split usually five to six days a week and then as you get closer to the show that might increase to say six days a week but then you've got maybe hit in the last four weeks hit two to three times a week on top of your weight training and then you've also got your steps i think the most steps i've ever had is like fourteen thousand in a day every single day on top of my training and stuff. And that might not sound like a lot to others, but for someone that has a desk job and you work from home, it is quite an effort to get 14,000 steps a day. Plus still have time to maybe see friends or maybe spend time with your, you know, fiance or partner or whatever as well. So it's just so much more than just training and nutrition. A lot goes into it. And I track everything, my water, my sleep, my nutrition, my training, everything is like progressive.
0: Yeah. I think that one thing that attracts people to it is this, element of the extreme, you know, like you touched on, like people love an extreme, like they go crazy for it. Like carnivore. I'm an extreme carnivore. Like I don't eat plants or I'm, uh, an extreme vegan plant-based eater. Like that is like a big one or keto or like, you know, going like with your training extremely this, okay. I only do calisthenics. I don't do anything else. I only do CrossFit. I only do F45. I only lift heavy weights. Cardio is a waste of time. Like everyone that's doing it just needs to eat less. And this extreme mindset, like, and I know because I've, I've come from it as well. Like I was like, you know, no cardio, like just lift weights or Um, extreme, no carb. I was like trying to avoid carbohydrates, like anything, like, like I shared in the previous podcast, I remember picking croutons out of someone's tomato soup that they made for me while I was at their house in front of them, you know, like completely, just just completely offending because, because like it kind of like, because it's so extreme, you think it must be extremely better. And that's
1: people, people love to live in extremes because I think balance is hard, right? Like it's, easier for a lot of people to say cut out all carbs than it is to say like, okay, you know, I can have a couple of crackers at the grazing table or a one champagne glass at the wedding. But I'm not going to, as opposed to, okay, no champagne or no crackers, no nibbling. People love to live in extremes. And that's where I think competing is like so extreme and that you're hyper-focused on one goal and that's all you see and you're a tunnel vision for it and everything else just doesn't even matter. So I mm-hmm. guess like I could see why someone would like cop prep for that because it gives them like an extreme goal or like yeah. a, a marathon run or something and you're only working up for that goal, but you have to really think about like what your goal is long term in terms of lifestyle. Like, where do you want to be five years from now? Do you want to be eating the exact way that you're eating right now, or do you want to actually have a balanced lifestyle? And I think of this mainly in terms of keto because I'm not a fan of cutting out all carbs, I just think it's unnecessary. So, if someone told you, like, right, you're going to lose the same amount of weight by cutting out carbs or eating carbs um, overall which do you choose? You're of course, you should of course choose to eat the carbs because in five years time, you could still be doing that. Whereas for kiddo, I honestly don't know how many people do it long-term uh, mm. and actually enjoy it. Like truly enjoy it.
0: Yeah. Like I tried it and yeah, I was yeah picking croutons out of my tomato soup. Like I did not enjoy that, but I thought I was doing a great thing because it was so extreme. But yeah, it's true. It is like, I think with, the whole extreme thing, you kind of put yourself by doing something so extreme, you put yourself into like that tier of top tier athletes, like in your head, because they do such extreme stuff. They train every day. They have a hardcore nutrition thing or the pro bodybuilders, you know, they're carrying around their meal prep containers and all that kind of stuff. You think, oh, that's extreme. That's hardcore. I want to be hardcore. And that's why, like, if you just say, oh, you, you know, you can still have ice cream at night, um, but maybe just don't have the whole tub. Just have a couple of spoons. Like they're like, "Ah, oh, that's not hardcore yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah. I it's think like, it how it? hardcore can you be?
1: <laughs> yeah. I think um at the end of the day, it really just comes down to an individual and recognizing like what their goal is and truly why it's that. Like it depends why you started your fitness journey. Like I mm. said, I didn't start it to change how I looked. I kind of, I guess, just changed. I did it to change how I felt. And through the years of competing and things like that, I've learned what it feels like to be on different spectrums of the scale. And I can confidently say that, regardless of whether I have abs or not, it doesn't actually improve my confidence overall because leaning into my first competition four weeks out, I was like, oh, I'm not lean enough. I don't look good enough. And I was in the best shape I'd ever been. in at that point in time, I'd never even seen my abs yeah. until my first competition. So it really can come to play on, uh, you know, giving you body dysmorphia and things like that. And that's not just for competitors, it's for anyone. Like, you know, when you got really lean, when you started out or whatever, you could still think like, I'm not lean enough or I'm not big enough. And I think both Mm. men and women can struggle with that.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it almost increases as you get leaner. Like sometimes people's transformation can start out of an insecurity. Let's say, okay, I want to feel confident about myself. I don't like my body. Like that's an insecurity that they have. So they go, okay, I'm going to go to the gym to try and improve this or maybe eliminate this insecurity out of my life. So you train, you do everything, you follow your diet, you stay strict, you try and sleep, you try and drink all your water. And let's say, you know, you're getting leaner, you're getting leaner, you're getting leaner. But what I found, and I'm speaking from personal experience, the leaner I got and the less I weighed, the worse my insecurity was. And I think that's why comp prep can be great for some people if they have the right mindset, but it can also be very dangerous because you you reach a point of leanness that you will only ever achieve in a comp prep and then when you look at yourself in a photo that where your body fat is not that lean comp prep i'm on stage i got fake tan on you know i'm you know really hair lean. makeup,
1: everything. yeah hair
0: makeup you're like i'm so perfect or what you think is great at that time and then you know let's say a week later you've gained five kilos back and you're looking at yourself and you're going man i feel fat but Like, like maybe a year ago, that was extremely amazing. But just because you've competed before and got to that like crazy level of leanness, 8% body fat, 5%, whatever it is now, anything but that is not good enough. So it's kind of like the leaner you get, the uh, what you think would have fixed your insecurity has actually almost made it worse.
1: Yeah, I think that's relative to anyone even outside of competing, because if you help someone that, you know, maybe they're 50 pounds overweight and you help them lose 30 pounds, which is amazing, you know, they still in their head think, oh, well, I've still got 20 pounds to go until I achieve my goal. But I really try and focus, like if I help a client lose 30 pounds or whatever, I'm like, you just lost 30 pounds. You know, you have to really pause and think how amazing that is considering, you know, the time that it takes someone to gain weight and then the effort that it takes to lose that weight again. It's such an incredible accomplishment to start living a healthier lifestyle, yet alone actually gain the physical results. So I think it is really important whether you're competing or not competing on a fitness journey to actually take time to pause and reflect on how far you've come and that's something I have to do too like I'm currently in a really good building muscle phase through lockdown I'm feeling really good and I'm definitely not the leanest I've been but also like what would be my point in trying to diet through a lockdown there's no beaches near I'm not like out in the sun Well, you know I'm wearing a jumper There's just, to me, there's like no point if I'm happy, I'm healthy and I'm strong. That's all that matters to me. And realistically, like, I think people put so much pressure on themselves to look a certain way, but no one actually cares. Like your friends, family, your partner aren't, you know, spending time with you because they love the size of your clothes or the weight on the scale. Like you don't go to catch up with your friends and they say, what weight are you today? Like, you know, your partner. Okay, yeah, I'll talk to you today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. I suppose we can be friends, Brock, because you weighed under XYZ weight, you know? Like no one actually cares. The person that cares the most about how you look is usually you. And the saddest thing is, is that we can always be our harshest critic. Like Mm. no one can say something to me that I probably haven't already said about myself in regards to my business how i look the things i do day by day but i think it's about choosing the narrative that you say to yourself like i could look in the mirror and say things that i might necessarily maybe want to change but at the end of the day like is that serving me it's not like I would way rather focus on the good things and I can think of like just a classic example is in the past when I started working out I thought my legs were really big I know women can relate to this because they want to build glutes but they don't want to build their legs and having thick thighs in the past used to be such like a bad thing because everyone wanted you know a gap between their thighs and so of course me being someone that had cycled everywhere all through uni all through high school I didn't have a car at university I was quite active so my legs were naturally built quite a bit um, I used to like think, oh my gosh, my legs rub against each other. Oh, you know, I am i don't look skinny like the girls on Instagram, but instead of following that narrative, I'm more like, you know what? My legs are so strong. I could squat a hundred kilos. I could deadlift, I think at the time, like 125 kilos and they get me everywhere I need to go. I bike, I walk, I run if I'm running late. Like, I just think there's so many other positive things people could focus on instead of looking on Instagram or um, bodybuilding.com or whatever and comparing yourself after someone else that's you know stepped on stage for a one day and you've just seen this highlight of them on stage Mm. like you don't know the effort that went into getting to that stage and I think that's where people in social media and people that want to get into competing they see this epitome of what they think might be healthy and they want to look like that because of these beautiful stage photos And I love stage photos I love stage day but the work that went in behind that photo is just insane like the tears the you know four thirty 30 wake-ups every day to work out running to the gym I remember in the rain and I remember walking home crying in the rain because I was so tired you know it's a it's a next level dedication and I just yeah. love it I love a grind in anything I do like I just think the harder I work for stuff the better it feels when I achieve it but that's definitely not a mentality for everyday healthy life
0: yeah I think it's, it's important to acknowledge that that like comp prep lifestyle isn't necessarily for everyone, a healthy lifestyle to maintain forever. Like you're literally probably having to turn down social events. Um, like you said, you're falling asleep on the couch. So your energy is obviously not amazing. You know, you're a bit snappy in your DMS, you know, maybe you're not getting the most out of your relationships or whatever, but, um, it's not really, for for a lot of people something that they that they can maintain and they have to i think you've definitely developed this maturity through the things that you've gone through like you know obviously we wouldn't want to regret those things and say, i you know i wish i didn't do that because that has made you who you are you've come to this mature place um and you touched on you know um instagram girls and kind of not being able to look like them but you did say that you were strong and that you had these things that you could do, which I'm a huge fan of. Like I'm not against anyone trying to hit a goal of getting lean or getting a beach body because that is a great place to start initially for people to make a change because we don't want to discourage anyone who's trying to make a positive change for whatever reason is maybe they want a better Tinder profile photo, like, so they can, you know, go and date, you know, like, like, I'm not going to say, no, you need to have a goal of being stronger, not looking better. Come back to me when you have a better goal, you know, because that might be the only chance like that may have taken them six months to pluck up the courage to go, okay, yeah, I want this Tinder profile photo to be sick, you know? Um, but that's one thing that I love is getting people to get these performance-based goals over these aesthetic-based goals. Like, and I think that's a huge conversation that we're having now. It's more so about what we can do with our bodies as opposed to just what they look like. Um, and, and, and what do you think has got you to this place or like, you know, because obviously when you looked at those Instagram girls, first off, maybe you kind of struggled with that and thought, okay, you know, this is what supposedly I should look like according to society's measure, but what helped you kind of just go, well, you know, I can do this.
1: Yeah. I think that I love what you said about not discrediting anyone's goals. I think that it's fine to start your fitness journey for whatever you want. Like for me, it was stress relief for someone else. It might just be, I saw someone on Instagram, I want to look like that. And I mean, that's fine, but I think it becomes more as you go on through your journey. Like it might've initially for someone, you know, they might've wanted to lose like 20, 30 pounds, but I had a call with one of my clients in the weekend and her goal was originally to lose weight. But as she started on her fitness journey, her husband decided to start eating better. And then they were sitting in a setting an example for their kids. Mm. And then they ended up, you know, enjoying eating better, doing their nighttime workouts together while the kids were asleep. And it became more about how she felt. And setting some goals after we've achieved like all the fat loss ones, we're going to move into like, you know, going into what's the word, like ultra, like marathon type things. So she's changed her goal from just wanting to lose weight to more performance and endurance type goals because she used to do a lot of sports when she was younger. So Mm -hmm. I think that people will originally maybe start to change the way that they look. But eventually, once they realize how good it feels to feel good and to move their bodies and to get strong – they end up staying for that reason. And that's why I'm very big on weightlifting, especially with women. I had another call with a plan, and she was saying how. She feels empowered when she gets stronger because she knows that she doesn't have to ask her partner or someone else to help her pick a box up. She can do it. Herself. I got the
0: groceries.
1: Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> don't she worry like, about oh, it. Yeah. She she was saying that I can carry the groceries and I don't have to have him carry them. And to me, like I always take a lot of groceries. You know, I pride myself on like going one shop. You've got all the groceries on you, <laughs> and that you know that's good for me. But I didn't realize that you know because I've been lifting for a long time. That's just what I do. So for someone that's new that kind of non-scale victory getting really strong and focusing on those performance type goals is i just think so important because if you're only starting your journey to change how you look and you realize in the first week or two that you're just not going to get the results overnight then you might quit right you would quit after two weeks of trying this new thing and i Mm. think so many people these days just want that instant gratification we are in the i guess generation of uber eats we order something and it's at your door in 10 minutes you don't really have to do a lot for the things that we can get delivered or i guess yeah brought to us as opposed to a fitness-based goal or feeling healthier or getting stronger it's not something just that just happens overnight
0: yeah i think uh, i think that's awesome man like i i think definitely with with women having that feeling of empowerment can lead to a lot of other things as well like um, I talk about a lot with my clients, the ripple effect. So that's what's happened a lot to me. And I don't know if that's the right term. I, I made it up, but maybe someone else said it as well. But it's like, as soon as I got into training and I started pretty young, like I was 14. It was something that I just did at lunchtime with my friends to have a laugh. And then we just ended up falling in love with it. Um, and, and actually my first goal was kind of just to get stronger for rugby. So it, I, I actually started in a good place. And then later on, I kind of went down a wrong path of like, I want to look like this, you know, fitness model and do whatever, eat some tilapia. Um, <laughs> so, so we started on that kind of, you know, like our lunchtime training. And then we kind of just loved it. Sorry, I forgot what I was talking about. What was I talking, You're talking
1: about? You are talking about how you started at the start and then you wanted to get stronger. And I had said how um, the ripple effect. Like Yes. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. I got completely lost because I touched on the other thing. So the ripple effect, like, so I started just training, but then I realized it. And and even though I was at high school, I wasn't bad at school or anything, but I I just kind of wanted to work that little bit harder. I kind of just wanted to, you know, maybe show up on time and become more disciplined. So that really worked for me. And I found that with clients as well, you know, and I'm sure you've experienced the same thing within your life and your client's lives. Like you, you know, um, now that you train, you have to be more disciplined with your nutrition. So you're probably more disciplined with your time management because you've got to fit in a gym session. So when you're at work, you're at work. When you're with your friends, you know, you're present with your friends and all that kind of stuff. Like, has that happened? Like, have you had that experience with your clients and with yourself as well?
1: Yeah, I do think that there's a flaw in effect. Like when you start taking care of yourself and prioritizing yourself, it helps you become a better person in all areas of life. So, you know, mm. if a mum comes to either of us and they want to um, start eating healthier so that they have more energy, it's like, okay, they start eating healthier, they start moving their body. So they get like a boost of endorphins. They feel a bit happier. They start losing weight. They start fitting their clothes better. So then they start feeling more confident. So then that enables them to, you know, maybe they want to ask for a promotion at work or, maybe mm. that helps improve their relationship because they feel more secure about themselves within the relationship with their um, husband or wife or whatever so I definitely think that a fitness journey has such a flaw in effect to all areas of life and I can completely relate it back to say when I gained a lot of weight in a short amount of time after my first competition it was affecting my relationship with Ross because then I felt so insecure thinking he was going to leave me for someone else because this had happened Mm. so it was affecting our relationship I was crying pretty much every day because I was overeating pretty much every day and it's still hard for me to think of that until the one day that I literally I remember I have the photos on my phone I shared them on Instagram stories today I took these photos I just woke up one morning I said you know what enough's enough I hate how I feel and didn't have anything to do with how i looked but i just felt so horrible on the inside took this photo and i'm smiling hard in the photo but i remember how horrible i felt on the inside and i was only smiling because i was like this is the last time i want to feel like this so i took these day one photos and i committed to get a coach i wanted to do you know like a 12 week fat loss phase just to get myself feeling a little bit better i think i lost i end up losing like five kilos in 10 weeks just being consistent a little bit more flexible mm. um and then i got to photo shoot and it was my first ever like lingerie kind of photo shoot for my birthday never done that before it wasn't about being as lean as i could because i wasn't as lean as i was for my comp but it was just about feeling really good i got my hair done i got my makeup done um i put on a pretty dress, like. It was just a celebration for myself so that was something to give me to look forward to for my birthday so someone else might pick to do a photo shoot I gave a prize winner for one of my challenges a photo shoot with a local photographer in the USA she went and she had this beautiful photo shoot in the forest with I think her partner and a dog and you know it's just something to celebrate your hard work whether that's buying a new sports bra or a cute dress or something so for me it was just about turning things around and i guess kind of just pulling myself out on the actions that i was taking that were making me not feel so good and then that effect of doing that photo shoot like just flowed out to everywhere else because i felt confident i could then go on to learning more about nutrition and training to then go on to compete again
0: Mm. and
1: just have a better relationship with food and then after all of that you know be able to help other women because I know what it's like to go through like fat loss, weight gain after that um, and all the emotions that come with that as well as like the insecurities around that. So.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, I think on that, like I can definitely um, like um, relate to that kind of setting goals and having things like my training, like the principle of progressive overload, like as soon as I kind of got used to it, I was like, okay, you make things harder and you know, that's how you build a muscle. So you get growth. And now I have this like mindset of like, even in life, like work, if you feel like works a bit easy, how can we make it harder? Cause that's the only way to get growth. And it, yeah, it just kind of has this, you know, and it's, you know, maybe it's not healthy to be like, okay, I'm in a relationship with my fiance. How can I make this, you know, not harder, but like, you know, like, yeah, like, like, yeah, like you don't have to have this obsessed mentality about it everywhere, but just the idea of things getting harder and that leading to growth, I think is important. Like even with studying, like, like, I made this rule. I was talking about it with my fiance last night. I made this rule that I have to be enrolled in a course always. Because if I'm not enrolled, I'm, I'm not doing anything. Like I'm just like kind of cruising. Not like being lazy, but like I'm not being proactive. I'm not getting better. And I'm very like, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. In the middle, does it really exist? I'm not really sure. But I think kind of, you know, if you're not proactively going forward, you're, you're kind of going backwards. And that's where I developed that from gym training.
1: Yeah, totally. I I love that. I'm the same way as well, which is probably why we're friends. But yeah, so I do think that like progression drives my overall happiness. I love progression Mm. and fitness and business and knowledge, whether that's learning about you know how to start up a new company or whether it's Um, how to help my clients better or myself better in terms of training and things. I'm also enrolled in another course right now and I'm always keen to like learn. I'm always reading like the newest research that I can so that I can be a better coach or a better person from a mindset point of view. Mm. And I do think it is really important for people to focus on progress. Like there's stats around people that leave high school that will never read another book in their life. And I know not everyone likes to read. I think you like to have audio books, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of like a mix. Like there's different books. Like if it's like a, say like a motivational one, I'll just listen to it on the go. But if it's one where like, I just finished one about like property, um, like I'd like take notes and stuff like that. I'm not going to, yeah. Like just cause yeah, it's like different when you sit down and have a book.
1: Yes. But I'm definitely always reading. Yeah, so I love, like, yeah, I love a hard book um, just because I can highlight and take notes and things like that. Yeah. But I'm all for learning. And I think so many people, you know, when they finish high school or university, they just stop learning. And I think that then what do you do with your time? Do you just end up scrolling social media, feeding your mind with a whole lot of rubbish? And that applies to everything in life. I do think that, like, in a relationship, you want to be making sure that you're growing together. Um, with your friendships, you want to make sure that you're also growing together. You know, want to be uh, I guess just sitting around talking about other people is just not my kind of thing that I'm interested in I'm Mm. all for growth in all areas of life which is sometimes a good thing sometimes a bad thing because sometimes it's like quite full on up in my head
0: yeah no for sure I definitely find it hard to relax sometimes I'll definitely come a long way um, but yeah, with that, like if you stop reading books after school, like not saying that you have to read books because everyone learns in a different way and everyone has different, you know, uh, let's say ambitions in life. But I definitely think that the stuff that I've learned after school has been the most valuable. Like I kind of don't really apply anything that I learned at school at the moment. Like I, I, I did physics not really applying that except for, you know, the law of thermodynamics and like biology, like, (laughs) you know, maybe some of that, but yeah, maths, English, like all the stuff that I've done, like around personal training, learning biomechanics, learning about nutrition, all that kind of stuff. And I guess it's because school is very general to open you up to different career paths. But if you're, you know, like saying that, okay, my education is done after school, I think that's quite a dangerous place to be because you're not allowing yourself to even learn new things to maybe change. And, and, and I say this, you know, a lot, like if you sleep eight hours, so you have 16 hours left, if you, you know, out of those 16 hours, you might work somewhere between eight to 10. Some people work, you know, even more so, but like that's a huge chunk of the amount of time that you're awake and the amount of time that you're actually on earth. Like, so why would you want to do that? Or spend that time like doing something that you don't enjoy and it sounds super cheesy like just follow your passion like i'm not saying that trying to be like a life coach and put my you know leadership hat on but it it, it really you know like confuses me as to why people would commit like literally most of their waking life to something that they don't want to do and spend most of their time thinking about what they're going to do you know outside of that oh after work or i want to go on a holiday which holidays are great i love a holiday too but like if you're literally running from the thing that you're doing most in your life. Like, I think that's a pretty dangerous position to be
1: yeah definitely i think it can be scary for people as well like for me personally what i was doing is i worked i went to university for accounting i quickly learned that accounting was not for me i did not employ it but i thought it would bring me a lot of money and that's honestly why i went into it i just thought right accountants make lots of money i'll do that i got through my full four years i graduated i got my degree i had an internship at one of the big four accounting firms and i quickly realized within two weeks Uh, at the internship that that wasn't for me I pushed through it I finished it and at the end of it they even asked me you know do you even want this and I just said no (laughs) and you know i just i I said in a very polite way but it just wasn't for me so then from then from there i ended up traveling the world with ross we did the usa we traveled a little bit it gave me a little bit more time to think about what i wanted to do i got a job working online from home for a supplement company i helped them in customer service it was a very basic role but it enabled me to travel to fitness expos to um learn how a big business is I guess handled a lot and also connect with a lot of other people online in the fitness industry, which was really cool. And then when it came to me realizing what I wanted to do, which was to help women, I actually ended up, I remember the, it was like over three years ago now. I remember waking up in the morning to do work before doing my actual job. Then, if that was held overtime because there were sales or things like that, I would then quickly eat dinner with Ross and then I'd jump back on the computer and then he'd go to bed and then I'd go to bed like after I'd finished the work and I did that for like quite a few weeks or months or whatever and I was like really miserable I was tired uh it wasn't a very nice time and Ross just said to me like oh you know you probably should have quit your job you know three months ago I was like, oh yeah probably should have but I was just trying to be safe and so I ended up you know giving him my resignation and then going full-time with Fit Within Julian um that was my passion and honestly I didn't care if I was going to take a pay cut to do that instead of doing something that I'd outgrown and I couldn't grow further Mm. and that I couldn't get more money or anything anyway I'd rather you know take that step back down and do something that I absolutely loved every single day and now I'm so grateful to be able to wake up and do that so yeah it is I I do understand that it's not possible for everyone but I do think that it's possible to maximize as much time as you can to do something on the side that you love that brings you joy even if you're not going to leave your full-time job you could still you know start a little side hustle
0: yeah yeah well that's where it all starts like I am I, um, like that that kind of all-in mentality I like I'm all about that like I posted about it I think a couple of weeks ago and like people really resonated with it and I think you know like it can be risky so I definitely think it's better uh, or easier to say when you're younger because we have time to recollect ourselves and bounce back you know if we go bankrupt it's like oh well you know I don't have that much money anyway, but, but like if we're, you know, like if you're 50 and you go all in and it fails, you're kind of like, whoa, you know, that's going to hurt a bit more
1: definitely different but i think that all in mentality is an interesting topic as well if we relate it back to fitness because it's like a lot of people start working with me and I, the key habits i advise are things like water sleep movement and form of steps their workouts and their nutrition right it's five key things mm. but a lot of people can have that all in mentality on their fitness journey in a negative way in that it's like oh no, I couldn't stick to my workout today because I hurt my toe. So that means I'm not going to stick my water. I'm not going to sleep I'm not going to do my nutrition I'm not going to anything else you know so an all-in mentality I actually hadn't seen your post so you might not agree with me not sure but I think an all-in mentality on certain things can be great but when it comes to a fitness journey I think honestly Mm. people just need to start and focus on progress over perfection because if they start thinking like right I really need to nail everything perfectly you might be able to do it for a day or two maybe even a week but what happens on the one day that you're like oh no I um, am away today, so I'm going to s- not be able to eat right. Does that mean you're not going to try and move your body, drink the water, get your mm. sleep in? So on that aspect, I think like an all in can be really dangerous. I think that anyone listening should really think about what their fitness goals are and how, you know what, well, if you can't take off all your habits, well, maybe you could take off three out of five.
0: Yeah, no, no, I totally agree with that in terms of fitness. Um, because I think that is what leads to people doing things like, you know, like we touched on earlier, carnivore diet, keto diet, sticking to it for two months, you know, losing awesome five kg and then trying to reintroduce carbs and then just going crazy. Oh, I just binged all weekend and gained five kilos. So, you know, that two months of progress just went down the drain. Um, I definitely think having that balanced approach with training and everything is important. Like I think, you know, some like having the all a mentality in terms of like giving your all in a session is great, but like not having that, you know, that like, okay, I stuffed this up and this is where I was too. Like when I was doing everything, okay. I was like, okay, um, I had um, a bite of a burger. I'm done. Like I'm not training. Uh, I'm not, I'm not reading. I'm just going to binge eat tonight. Like I went through a crazy binge eating cycle as well. Like when I was um, younger. So like if anything set me off, if I missed the training session, because I had to work on it, I was like, well, I didn't train? What's the point in following nutrition? I'm going to Macca's, so I'm going to go <laughs> yeah. to Macca's. I'm going to get some butter chicken. I'm going to eat everything I can see, and then tomorrow I'm going to start clean. I'm going to have boiled eggs. I'm going to have a protein shake. Yes. I'm going to train twice because I because I missed the session, so I need to make it up. And and that kind of you know went you know so so in terms of fitness, I 100% agree with you. But this mentality I was talking on was more so about work, like how you were talking about. Um, or like backing yourself. So backing uh, the, yes. Being, yeah, being yeah. all in that way. So like you were a hundred percent all in, you know, you, like you were doing a side hustle, you were doing your normal work and then you'd have dinner and then you'd continue to work. So, so <laughs> I kind of shared, awesome. yeah, like, so, so when I first came to Sydney, um i went to like i was like 100 percent i'm giving up music i'm gonna do pt um because i was still doing pt and music while i was in gold coast and auckland i was doing other stuff as well so i was like okay sydney i'm gonna do it so i just like did pt um and i was with my auntie for a bit and then i i was like i had an interview with like as soon as i gave up music i like had a breakdown whatever like like most of my life changing moments come on the back of a breakdown. so (laughs) I like break down, cry my eyes out, whatever. And then I'm like, okay, let's go. We've cried it off. We've had a good sleep. So like I called 10 gyms in one day. I was like, I want an interview. I want like, I'm a new PT. I'm here, blah, blah, blah. So I like, and after two days I had a job um, at fitness first and I was like, okay, I'm really going to do this. So I was living out West out in the suburbs in Sydney with my auntie and like you know, I'm so thankful that they had me for, for the amount of time when I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. I moved into the city. I like paid the franchisee to be a, a personal trainer at the gym. So that was like two and a half grand. I was like, whoa, where did I, where did I sign up for this? And then um, I like moved into a place. So I paid a bond and I think I only had like $2,000, which sounds like a lot. But in Sydney, that's not very much, especially when you're at a gym paying $400 a week rent. That's only five weeks. And then you got to pay your home rent which was like, so you know, I had 750 a week going out before I bought any food. So that was literally two weeks. I had planned. So like, in terms of this all in mentality, I was like, nah, I'm going all in. So like I backed myself. And that kind of gave me the pressure to really stick to things. So I was like, so I walked the gym floor from 6am till 9pm. So I went down this franchisee path. So you can be like a a an employee or you can be a franchisee so like kind of self-employed so employee you get paid like 25 an hour or 20 an hour and you do classes like but i'm not a huge group classes fan i was like man that's gonna like tire me out and i'm gonna be the worst coach ever so i went this other route where they give you um like you pay rent which was 400 a week and i was like scared of that i was like whoa don't know anyone in sydney i didn't know anyone at the gym I was like, I'm just going to go all in. And I, I worked from 6 a.m. till 9 p.m. on the gym floor, just talking to people, just saying hi, just, act, just acting busy because I had zero clients, right? I was like, <laughs> okay, I've got all okay. week, literally committing 6 a.m. till 9 p.m., Monday to Friday. I was like, I'm just going to walk the gym and just talk to people, see if I can help. If I can't, I'm going to train and be there. I'm going to learn from the best BTS. And I had this kind of mindset that was like really driving me. But I wasn't making any money because I had no clients. So you don't just get paid. So I was washing dishes as well. So 6 a.m. till 9 p.m. Monday to Friday, I would walk the gym floor, try to build clients, do whatever I could. And then after that Friday night, I would go and wash dishes at a hotel. And then I did it on Saturday. I would wash dishes out in Parramatta, which is like far, far out from the city. And I would do, do dishes in the morning. And then I'd go to a different hotel at night and then wash dishes on Saturday night. And then I'd do the same on Sunday at the same places. And then I'd finish at midnight on Sunday and I'm washing dishes, go home at like one o'clock and then wake up at four o'clock to walk the gym floor and kind of start my week again. So I was like that all in mentality. was like, you know, like that's kind of what I was talking about. Like that yes. is what drove me. Cause I, well, I was broke, <laughs> like, so I had nothing to lose, but I was like, you know, like that really pushed me and I can understand in a fitness context, that can be too much. Cause you're like, it's pushing you too much where you can break down. Because I had many days where I was breaking down, like crying, no sleep. I was like, mm-hmm. "What am I doing with my life?" I'm like pretending I'm this trainer, and like you know, but I, <laughs> I'm I'm like paying all this money. It's not getting me, and you know, like, you like doubt yourself and stuff. But like that was actually what got me through, and then that gave me that work ethic where I was like, "Okay, I'm going to," you know, work. And 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 then I quit the dishes, and I just had clients, and then I kind of started building off that, but. That was the kind of all-in mentality that I was talking about. Yeah, 100% totally. I agree with you in fitness.
1: Yeah, definitely. I guess, like, it really comes down to, like, a few different things. You know, like, you, you could do that, and I don't think that you know, we grow in our comfort zone. So you, you know, <laughs> leaving to Sydney and doing that, like you really put yourself out of your comfort yeah. zone. And you had no other option but to succeed. And they say like, you know, if you wanna, I can't quite remember the quotes, so I'm probably gonna ruin it here. But they say like, if you don't wanna leave the island or something, burn the boat or whatever yes. the quote is. Come I recently I'm wrote an way. email on that. Oh, oh did you? Oh, oh maybe I, I wrote an email it. list. Yeah, if you yeah, want the
0: island, burn the boat. It's something like that.
1: Something like that, yeah. So. Mm. Um, And then also, I guess it really comes down to people, again, recognizing, like, what is most important to them. And when, like you said, when you're younger, you can take those bigger risks as well. So... Um, I guess for me personally like I always think of it as like any setbacks that you have like if you have a breakdown I always love the quote setbacks make for greater comebacks like I've had lots of little setbacks on my fitness journey but the thing that has set me aside from other people that might not achieve their goals or haven't yet achieved their goals is that I haven't quit like every time I fall down I get back up if I you know compete and maybe I place second I come back again if I place third I'll come back again and not that it's about the placings it's about bettering myself each time and if I was relying on um, a placing to tell me that i was good enough then i just stopped competing because like my last show in the best condition of my life i came seventh so um, you know i can still acknowledge that i worked so hard for that show and i looked absolutely amazing and i loved everything about how i looked and i'm so proud of that and i think that people can be proud of their journey at all different stages even if you haven't mm. reached the end goal and i mean you to go from washing dishes and doing that to even just having some clients is still rough. a win and you know Now you've transitioned into fully online, which was perfect with uh, everything that happened in the world and gyms closing down for so long. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. On that lockdown, like we've had our fair share amount of lockdowns, right? Like, like I think we just came out of 16 weeks, Um, but you're still in lockdown. You're still fully locked in, right?
1: We are getting close to the sixteen week mark. I think in Auckland, New Zealand, we're in fourteen weeks so far. Okay. And I mean, there's two different ways to look at lockdown. For some people, I think they might think that it is a time to just chill out. It's a time to um, not worry about their goals, and it's the all-in thing here. Of like, oh well, I can't go to the gym, so I may as well do nothing. <laughs> yeah. Or you could see it as the way that I did. For example, last year, six weeks out from my competition, I said my show was cancelled, and I thought, okay six weeks out, I'm in great shape right now. I was absolutely so ready to step on stage mentally and physically. But I thought, okay, well, what can I do with this time? I'm gonna show everyone that it's possible to stay on track during lockdown and that was my goal i just wanted to inspire people to stay on track during this time so i ended up reverse dieting i spent uh the whole time reverse dieting i think and i ended up getting to 2300 calories and maintaining the exact same weight as i started in lockdown and i'm not gonna lie i was pretty proud of that That's awesome. because it was our first ever lockdown and then this year going into it I came out of nowhere. I didn't expect to go into another one. I thought maybe it was gonna be three days. It's ended up being over three months. (laughs) And (laughs) we luckily were able to get an easy bar of 55 kilos of weight plates, including the bar, and a couple of 20 kilo dumbbells. So, you know, it's enough to get a good workout in. Is it my favorite style of workout to work out at home with minimal equipment? No, but I haven't missed a single workout. I've had six workouts a week. Um, The whole lockdown, I I mainly added in like a sixth one because I'm not getting in enough heavy weight volume across the week. So I thought, okay, I'll add in an extra session. There's only so many exercises I can do for upper body with the equipment. So progression wise I've still made sure that I'm progressing throughout and I've still been hitting my walks every morning Uh, every day before lunch we go for a walk I even go for a third walk in the afternoon usually and I've just shown up for myself and I think that it's really important for people to realize that there's always two different options when it comes to situations and it's like the easy route or the you know, more challenging route that's probably going to improve you. And so I chose to take the route of like not letting lockdown take away more than it already has from the past two years.
0: Yeah, I definitely did the same thing with my mindset. Like, and I do agree with you. Like there's, yeah, it kind of like divided the world. Like, okay, some people are like, okay, this is unfortunate, but I'm just going to make the most of it. And some people are like, well, I'm just going to ride it out and just cruise. And, you know, like I'll probably work, but probably not, you know, I'll just sleep in and I'll I'll probably just stop working out because gyms are closed and I'll get back into it, you know? And like, which is fine, you know, like, like either way you want to go, but yeah, I definitely like locked in. I was like, okay, I'm going to, cause man, the lockdown before this recent lockdown I didn't have any equipment at all. So I was like Mr. Resistance band, you know, I was using Kiki as weights. I was holding her and lunging. I was like, I was like, yeah, like trying to do all these kinds of things and trying to make up exercises that I could actually get in a workout. So this time I, I ordered some dumbbells as soon as it happened, adjustable dumbbells and a bench and, and some new resistance bands because <laughs> they were gonna break. They looked so shaggy, so so I really locked in like that as well. And I was like, work wise, I'm still gonna continue to show up. And that's when like I had like a big like well, lots of people were on their phones at the time, and you know maybe this happened across the board, but like I had like a really big growth in my following. I was like, okay, I'm gonna post twice a day instead of just you know doing whatever. So I was like, I I really doubled down. But training was difficult. Like I was saying before we got on this call, like. Because in the house we were in previous to this, the kitchen and the lounge was like the same thing. Um, um, the door that we would use for lat pull downs or for straight arms or triceps or whatever was the door beside the fridge. So if Kiki was cooking dinner, I couldn't do lats, or I'd be like, Can you jump out for like 30 seconds while I get in my pull downs? And then you can come back in while I rest and do something else. Um, but what have you been doing to like stay sane during lockdown to look after all aspects of your life? Because You know, you've been walking, you've been training. You said you really, you know, had that mindset of I'm going to do this. But like it does take its toll. Like I won't lie at the end of the lockdown, I was probably like I didn't really notice it, but I think I was just a bit less happy than I was or a bit less optimistic. I was a bit like, oh, you know, like I'm ready for this to be over. Like my brother um, had a daughter, um, you know, and we couldn't see my fiance's family. And I was just like, man, this is ready to be done um like what yeah, are you doing that, to look after yourself
1: that's tough and it's good that you you know can say that you were feeling like less happy because i think like especially men struggle to like open up about feelings and stuff and i think mine goes comes and goes in waves like at the start i was like oh yeah home workout <laughs> and that, you know you're like yeah i'm gonna play these home Jumps workouts squats. and then it's that, Yeah, and then it dipped a little bit, and I really dipped hard in the middle of this lockdown. It hit me hard because um, I had a lot of other stuff happening, and I think it really depends on other people's, you know, family situations you know like if someone's had a baby or someone's passed away or whatever it is it can really hit people hard if they can't get to see their family Mm. um i had luckily just been to see my mom and my dad the week before the lockdown for my dad's birthday so i'm so glad i did that otherwise it would have been far too long without seeing them but um i really had to make sure that i limited my time on my phone so that means turning my phone off at a certain time at night, um, making sure that I'm doing something, like we said, you know, reading or uh doing a new course. So I'm always learning. So I started reading uh the Glute Lab or whatever, Britt Contreras's book. I signed up for a nutrition course just to recap on stuff and learn about the newest research. I um, got a new book to read. I got a colouring in book. I got some colouring in pencils which I do each night. So we'll have Netflix on and I might not necessarily be watching. I'll just like listen and color in and that's like quite creative for me and just like a little bit calming for me. I no. Yeah, I just really tried to focus on routine. So we wake up at the same time every day because in the last lockdown, I found that I was, I started towards the end, started sleeping in and I, I started like slacking on wanting to work out, and I know that as you get sadder and things, sometimes you want to sleep more. Because I wasn't looking forward to the days ahead, so now I like still wake up at 4:30 every morning. I make that sure is that is so of-
0: early. By the way, I have to jump in there. I like look at your story. I'm like, what is she doing awake at 4:30? I, That's crazy. And I don't
1: even like post on my phone, you know, until like a little bit, and I try not to post until like later on. So I've already been awake usually for like an hour before I posted on my stories. Hey guys, I'm
0: having to- lunch. It's 6am
1: pretty much but yeah I do think like it's super important to find little joys and to really focus on the controllables and lockdown because like there's so many ways in which I could look at these past 18 months and I turn 28 next Monday I'm getting older and I just think like man the past 18 months I feel have really been taken away in terms of like I'm used to being able to travel I'm used to being able to uh, uh, pop over to Bondi and have a little week of sunshine and seeing friends and training with you, you know? Um, But yeah, instead of focusing on all the downsides to lockdown, I've just really focused on the things I'm grateful for. Like Ross and I are lucky I have a roof over our head and to have enough room to share one desk working together um, and to not be locked in yeah and not be locked in a flat with you know four different people that we can't stand at least we have our own space for it so i mean things could always be worse and that's kind of the perspective i have around a lot of things i think uh what you focus on usually grows so if you focus on only negative things in your life the negative things seem to get a lot bigger and you seem to attract a lot more of them so like you did with doubling down on business i doubled down i've had calls with my clients i do monthly coaching calls um i did a challenge for the girls to help them get through lockdown just anything to help mm. inspire others to get through the tough times it just helps i guess inspire me you know seeing some of the challenge results you know for your clients as well you know it's just so rewarding and mm. that brings me joy in lockdown so you know yeah. I just do what I can.
0: yeah i Actually, I was uh, with our wedding celebrant yesterday. Kiki and I uh, made a trip. We're getting married early next year, and we were talking about like she was talking about the the memories that we've had together. She was trying to get to know us, our stories, and all the stories were like building up, building up, building up, and then it was like lockdown head, and it was like, "Oh, I guess um uh, <laughs> you were <know>, like. <laughs> for 18 months it was a bit yeah like it was like man we've literally like i totally agree with you with the like it's kind of been swept underneath us you know like we went on the holiday of our life with my dad and jamal to to wit sundays just before it happened and we like went skydiving we like went snorkeling with fish and we went to all these beaches took kiki to her first waterfall we did like all these awesome things it was like so fun we flew over the great barrier reef and we like have these unforgettable memories and then it was like lockdown heading I was like whoa man it's like What do we do now? Like we started playing board games. Monopoly deal was coming out. (laughs) Like you know, but it's not the same. And it's you know, it's it's definitely an interesting time. But you really have to have that mindset of making the most of it because you know, like as positive as we can be, it's it's not the same. Well, for me, it's not the same as going to Whit Sundays. You know, like it's definitely not like these memories that we have. Like we were fortunate enough in between lockdowns, we had a small gap. We flew to New Zealand. And we went, to, uh, we went to Blenheim, where your parents are from. That's where, you know, my family's from too. So we went there and I was showing around New Zealand and then we flew back. But literally, if we didn't fly back, I think the next day or two days later, it was like locked down hard. We wouldn't have left the country. It's really put like, you know, like even with wedding planning, which has...
1: We're
0: both going. Yeah, doing. <laughs> yeah, which we're both doing. Like, which is already, you know, a task in itself. It's like, you know, we've had to reschedule once, but it's like, you know, we heard from our celebrant that it had been the seventh time that they'd rescheduled the one that she did, you know, the other day. It's just like, it's, it's a really uncertain time, but you have to have that mindset of, you know, trying to just be okay with what's happening and do your best control, the control, the controllables, like you were saying.
1: I think uncertainty for me is a really big thing because I'm a planner. You know, I'm the kind of person that at 15 was like, this is going to happen at this time, this time, this time, this time. Quickly learned, like my mom said, you can't plan your life out like that. Yeah. Um, I'm far behind in that plan of schedule. Where, uh, but then again, you know, I set up my new goals as I got older and uh, Ross and I got engaged in Maui 2019 in May uh 2019 was hands down one of the best years of my life if not the best in terms of we got engaged I competed twice we did I took him to Tonga for his birthday again like you know the island swimming with the fish we also booked we booked a spontaneous trip to Chicago it was on sale and I remember saying to Ross I remember that uh you know we will never regret going to Chicago on sale. And I'm so glad that we booked that night and went because we did Chicago, Philadelphia and Washington. His dream city, you know, bucket list city was Chicago and we got to go there. And if we hadn't done that trip, we wouldn't be going for however many years. And we're only getting married next year in May in Rarotonga yeah. after, three years after our engagement and like i planned to compete last year i couldn't do that and i want to be done competing by a certain age before i want to focus on other things in life so i do feel like you know lockdown has already taken away so much from people and for someone like me that loves to plan in advance like i don't even know if i can get to australia next year um for certain things without being able to go into a lockdown like a quarantine hotel when i yeah. come back so i love to plan things i love to be able to travel i love the freedom of it and so for me i just have to focus on all the other exciting things that russ and i will have in the new year uh yeah. such as getting married and i'm sure that will go ahead so
0: yeah
1: I miss so, both. yeah
0: yeah yeah hopefully we're not um rescheduling seven times in a row so okay. i, I on on that note, I know I've stolen heaps of your time. I didn't actually know how long this was going to take, but this is. I think we're coming up to an hour and a half. Um, we could talk
1: all day, though. Yeah, so we could. If anyone, <laughs> if anyone uh, wants a Brock on my podcast, I definitely think that that's going to happen as well.
0: Yeah, and no, I'm excited for that. But on the exciting things that you kind of want to happen, what's coming up for you? What you know? What are you focusing on? What are you working on?
1: Getting through lockdown. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just the next week it, yeah. I, um, it's my birthday like i said next week so i'm looking forward to a nice chill weekend with ross but otherwise i'm doing some other qualifications just always trying to learn um getting out of auckland we're moving out of the city spending time with family and things like that business wise i'm uh on the fitness front i'm working on some new exciting things for the new year of course with the typical new year challenge type vibes just always you know lockdown just gave me a lot of time to get a little bit creative and uh just better myself so yeah i honestly just want to get through this lockdown and enjoy my birthday and christmas with with family so yeah
0: so so how can people find you like everywhere
1: instagram youtube You can go to fitwithandjulie.com for coaching and then it's pretty much just and Julie fit for life on everywhere really or and Julie Mac on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and the podcast uh, which is fit for life with and Julie and I'll probably have Brock on that like next month.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I see you're up to about 50 episodes. I actually listened to your most recent episode this morning. What's she doing? yes awesome thank you awesome well thanks for coming on the podcast and yeah i'll talk to you on your podcast soon